I think that God knew what a difficult struggle it would be for us to love one another. But he also understands the stakes are so high. And every time the church, you know, does not have fellowship and love one another and show unity, then you know, we blow our witness to the world. This is Life School Podcast, episode number 206. It happens over and over again. A political argument with a friend uh, or a fight about racial issues on the internet, lots of those. A disagreement with a coworker. At the first sign of conflict, though, we flee to a bunker with people who think like us. We always find that person who will disagree with us and, and we sort of attack everyone else. We feel safe there, but it's killing us. It's killing our families, our friendships, our civility, our discourse. Some people say it's killing our nation. Um, our fractured world desperately needs a different way. People who will speak gently, value truth, think clearly. On today's episode, we're going to talk with author Brian Jennings and discover there is a better way and we can walk in it. It may look like you're dodging cultural landmines, but you might just be learning how to dance. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Good to be here with you. Another yeah. Life School, Life School episode. Huh? You notice the smile on my face? We're in soccer season now in the Northwest, Seattle Sounders. <laughs> I know you're a you're a rugby guy. Yeah. And we're getting but, hockey this year. But I'm but I'm I'm taking you. You're yeah. coming to rugby with me. Absolutely. I'm still I had waiting. fun. I'm still I, waiting to get a Sounders invite. But now yeah. you can come, man. We'll we'll do I Sounders know, together. Man. I got better seats this year, so I'm I'm just in a good mood overall. No, I seriously have uh, and I have a night coming up where my son can't go, so I got two extra tickets. Ooh. So we're going to do a little Cigar and Theologies, get together with a bunch of the brothers. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Oh, that'd be great. Yep. Hey, today we got a special guest with us, and uh, I instantly fell in love with Brian. We actually got a message from him saying, hey, uh, I listen to your podcast, fell in love with it. I'm an author and a pastor. Uh, love to send you a copy of my book. If, if you're interested, and I read it, and it was mind-blowing. I was well, Thanks for sucking up the copy of the book. You're like, you're blowing <laughs> me up on text. You. Yeah. You're blowing me up. Like, <laughs> Dude, this is, you know? So what, like, what's, what was Giant Nugget that just dropped on your heart? I, I, just the conviction of, if I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm called to be a peacemaker, mm-hmm. how often follower, people who claim to be followers of Jesus are actually more peace breakers uh, and not peacemakers. And that, to me, was just... Man, it was wow. just so good. I, I can't wait to meet him. Yes, and so, I, and I'm gonna be honest, just up front, so our listeners know, Heath totally selfishly kept the book to himself, <laughs> yep. and just recently I'm got it, ashamed. read it, and said, "I'm putting this guy on." Like we're <laughs> like writing the episode. I'm not even, you, like you don't even have to agree. I'm like he's the best. I'm like, all right, we're doing it. So <laughs> I'm gonna be learning too with everybody else, and I'll you know just kind of uh, listen and ask my questions as we go. But uh, yeah, man, I am. Uh, I'm ready for this. Okay, so for those who don't know, Brian is a pastor and an author who lives in Tulsa with his wife, Beth, and their four children. He preaches at Highland Park Christian Church, and he serves on the board of directors for Black Box International, which mm. is help for trafficked boys, and also Ozark Christian College. And uh, we'll get big, some information. Big pedigree there, huh, Brian? Yes. Okay, man. So, so, Brian, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right, so I just finished reading your book, Dancing in No Man's Land. Uh, and the subtitle, Moving with Peace and Truth in a Hostile World, and it was absolutely incredible. I'm not joking when I say every single page had some sort of highlighting or notes written Heath through. was blowing me up on texts. and <laughs> was, it was amazing. Like, read this, you know, like, I'd like to. <laughs> You're still not getting a copy. <laughs> the premise of the book was that uh, 
our fractured world really does desperately need a different way. People who speak gently and people who value truth and people who think clearly and how, how we speak about truth and peace in the midst of this war. Uh, Brian, would you give us a little bit of a background as to why you wrote this book as well as what you were hoping to accomplish with it? And then specifically maybe answer the question, what is No Man's Land? I wasn't planning to write a book and about five and a half years ago, like every like three things happened in the span of one week, and the the first was I had just been reading through a World War One book, um, and I don't remember what it was, but it was a biography, and I like to read biographies, and I it just struck me how terrible the the trench and bunker warfare was. People in these in these trenches, and there's rats and disease and just dead bodies. It was awful, and you couldn't even look over the side because you would be killed likely if you did. And so you had these two opposing bunkers and it stalemated the whole war. Nobody was moving any direction. And that area in between the two bunkers was called no man's land Mm. because it's the last place in the world you would want to be barbed wire and exposed land. And, and you probably weren't going to get out alive from there. So I was reading that that same week was maybe round two of our country hotly debating the Affordable Care Act. I can't remember what was happening in Congress, but something was happening. And so everybody was just kind of ripping each other on that one. And I had a, I had Christian friends tell me, say, Brian, if you do not support this act, then you hate the poor. They use that kind of language. Wow. And I also had Christian friends say, Brian, if you support the Affordable Care Act, then you hate our country because it's going to be really bad for us economically. Hmm. And I remember just hearing from two different people and not even responding, but just thinking like they're both in different bunkers shooting each other. Mm. And I kind of feel somewhere in between, like I don't want to hate somebody based on this political decision. So at the, at the same time, just devotionally, I'd been going through the book of Daniel by myself and reading it in the mornings. And um, I was going through just chapter one in Daniel and Daniel is told by the king, like really the king's hitman, goes out and says, hey, all the wise men are going to die. And thinking of all the responses a normal human being would have, especially the kind of person Daniel was. But at uh, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, he responded with wisdom and tact. And it's, it was one of those times where I just put my Bible down and like walked around and thought about it. It mm. just like really jumped off the pages to me. And I was, and I thought, whoa, Daniel is actually living in no man's land here. He, hmm. he doesn't like take a side and doesn't declare war on somebody. And as you read the rest of the story, it actually worked. <laughs> um, he actually ends up being able to communicate truth because he first approached with peace. And that just struck me. I thought, man, who is doing that? So that launched me on kind of this exploration of scripture and history of trying to find who are people that refuse to drop either the pursuit of truth or, or and the pursuit of peace. It seems like hmm. churches sometimes have dropped the pursuit of truth. So they end up, you know, preaching a really watered down gospel. And it seems like other churches have dropped. That's another form of, of no man's land, right? It's another form of no yeah. man's land. Yeah. And, and so I just, it's like, man, God calls us to pursue peace and he calls us to pursue truth at the same time. And so I, I just wanted to find out what that looked like. And God impressed upon me to start writing 
uh, and just to be a good steward of that idea. And that metaphor has really helped me. I, I see that metaphor all the time. So that's kind of what, what led to the whole thing. Yeah, it's strong. You know, what comes to mind when you're saying that, Brian, is I once had a really good mentor in my life. He was doing a little counseling with me and my leadership and ministry and all. And I have, I'm, I'm the guilty guy in this story so far. <laughs> like, oh God. And he said to me, Caesar, can, can there be two opinions in the, in the room at the same time? Hmm. And I was just like, eh, next, you know, like, uh, yes. And that, you know what? It stuck to me, Brian. It's, stu- it stuck to me. Like when I'm getting a little too strong and a little too winning, I got to win, you know, like I got, it, I'm not even, it's not even the issue anymore. I, it's me winning kind of thing. It's like, can there be a second opinion? Like, does there get to be? Yeah. So. Yeah. And so practically speaking, you know, that means that I can firmly believe that Jesus is the way of salvation, but at the same time, I can act, I can actively love my Hindu neighbor who doesn't believe that. Like I can do both things at once. I don't have to only do one or the other. Yeah. And there's just a, there's a tons of, tons of application for that. Amen. You know, one of, uh, one of my favorite lines in the book was when you're kind of getting to this premise of you asked, we have to ask ourselves, what are the concerns of Jesus? He said he came to seek and to save the lost. And when you're locked in a clear kingdom-minded vision, why would you ever engage in foolish controversy and trivial arguments? And uh, I relate a lot with what you said. You know, you have two people that claim to be following the same Jesus that we are, we're each following, and yet they have very polarizing views and actually are willing to say that if you side with somebody other that you are hateful towards one group. And I love that mm-hmm. this question actually locked in and said, like, what were the concerns of Jesus? And it seems Shouldn't like... Shouldn't that be our snap line? Shouldn't we be coming back to Yeah, what? like always going back to Jesus, What was right? he about? And that's what we're about now. But it seems like when you talk about, like, why would you ever engage in foolish controversy and trivial arguments? It seems like that's what's keeping most of our social media alive these days, or even the news stations, <laughs> correct? Yeah. Social media does not encourage discernment, does not encourage... Piece. I actually have a good buddy who works for a big tech company, and he he tells me, "Yeah, social media is not your friend. You know, they're not. They are set up to make money, and they know how to. You know, they, they know how to do it. That's why. They what exist. we need is some some filters before we before we post before we launch into an attack. And I, I mean, I think just some of those things of you know, what does Jesus care about this topic? Hmm. Should I care about it? Do I know anything about this topic? And if I know it, what should my tone be? Should this be said in person? You know, there's all these filters that we ought to be running through before we post something. And when we skip those, we we kind of blow things up a lot. Yeah, it reminds me too of a book that I had recently read by uh, Conrad, I don't, I butcher his last name, Gemfi, I think it is. Uh, and the book was called Jesus Asked. And it was a study on how most of Jesus's responses when people were trying to pin him in a certain corner was that he would ask yet another question. You know, like, good yeah. teacher, what must I do to be saved? And he would flip it to like, well, like, is there anyone good? And he never mm-hmm. really came out swinging. I mean, he did occasionally, but a lot of questions were asked by him. And I, maybe that's a, a helpful way to approach some of these situations. People take questions often, though, as a poke in the chest, especially if it's got the word why hmm. in the front of it. Yeah. 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 yeah, but sometimes on social media, though, you can see a person who does ask a question and you realize, oh, I think they're... I think they're genuine in that, but they almost have to reassure the person, hey, I really want to know. Um, so, And that maybe takes the steam out of it sometimes. But but that takes a lot of humility to even ask the question with a whole bunch of prefacing so people don't lose their mind and, you know, and pile on. 
Yeah. And you saw something else you said, Brian, was really stuck to me there. You said, like, ask yourself, like, do I really, what do I really know about this particular topic before I, you know, launch off, you know, cannons on people? And, and then if I do know a lot about it, what should be my tone? And I, I think about it, like people I know that are really do know a lot about something, mm-hmm. they're generally really gentle about it. You know, we had Catherine Hayhoe on the show yeah. a couple times. World-renowned climate yeah, scientist. Yeah, yeah world-renowned climate that. Yeah, I heard this. Yeah. And she is like literally a climate scientist and, you know, uh, you know, to the stars and wonderful and she's just so gentle and easy about it. And, you know, there's yeah. she's not in a rush to win. She's just right, <laughs> you know, or yeah. smart. I guess let's just say that because not everybody agrees with her, you know. But she's she doesn't. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That That is a good check in my spirit. Like, how much do I yeah. really know? And if I do feel like I know a lot, then what should be my tone with that? Right. There's a book called uh, Mending the Divide. I don't know if you guys have read that. Uh-huh. Um, Heard of it. It's fantastic. But one of the the principles of the book is to uh, engage before you contend. And I will, I think I will always remember mm. that. And so in other words, before you contend for some point or some argument, you engage with the people and with the information first. And so we, I've actually been in this uh, season of engaging with immigration issues mm. by reading, by talking, visiting, learning, because I was, I was seeing so many people contending. And the more I've engaged, the more I've realized the people who are contending, actually a lot of them are speaking out of a lot of ignorance, but they're the ones speaking really strongly often. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you on premise. that principle. You know, one of the things in the book that you talk about is the four ways of wisdom and tact. And I thought this was helpful from a practical standpoint. And one of the lines you mentioned is you say, without tact, Wisdom cannot be heard, but without wisdom, tact only makes foolishness more palatable. But when wisdom and tact are paired together, you can apply knowledge that welcomes people to hear it. Uh, And then you give four different ways that that people can walk through with wisdom and tact via questions, restraint, prayer, and obedience. You mind unpacking those a little bit for us? Yeah. So the the asking questions um, is, you know, when that moment comes where there's an argument or a disagreement or it really made just a really important topic of just asking as many questions as you can. And I tell a story in the book of going to a key volunteer in the church years ago and uh, admonishing him, <laughs> rebuking yeah. him for something that he had messed up in, in ministry role. And then when he, I could tell how hurt he was, and he began talking and I was, I was like, oh my goodness. And then I had to go back and apologize like 10 times, not because he demanded it, but because it deserved it. Because I was so out of line and I had totally misread what had happened. I'd misread his motives and mm-hmm. what it, and it, if I would have just gone in there and been like, hey, tell me about what happened last Sunday morning. It would have, it would have all been avoided. Things. It was one question would have changed the whole thing. Yeah. And so I was the guilty party in that one. And so I've tried to just remember, man, ask questions, ask questions and keep asking questions. And yeah, that's, that's what Jesus did so often. The second is to, to show restraint. And one of the things that I do when I counsel couples is that it's, there's almost always one of the two is quicker to explode or to want to get it all out on the, on the table like right now. Hmm. And, the, and usually one of them would rather just put it off forever 
and often there's those two extremes. And one of the things I talk to couples about is, okay, for the person who wants to talk right now, you probably need to give the other person some space. May not need to yeah. be very long, but but you need and you yourself need some space. The very fact that you're trying to want to say all this stuff right now probably isn't good. You need some restraint. So what about this? Like agree that you're going to take a walk or you're going to do whatever you've got scheduled and then two hours you're going to reconvene and talk about this, but still agree that you are going to talk about it. And I think in that restraint doesn't mean that you, you never address things. It just means you put a little bit of time and wisdom and prayer and thought before you get to it. Hmm. Uh, the, the third thing is prayer, and we see that through the book of Daniel. I do a little bit of study there. And just we see through the Bible, God's people pray. You know, yeah. they, they don't panic first. Um, they don't try to solve it all themselves first. They pray and see what God is doing, see how God is, is doing things. And I love in Daniel 10 when God, you know, just to kind of paraphrase, he says, hey, I, I, I've known you. And I knew what you were going to pray before your lips were even moving. Hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm in this, I'm watching you, I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, Daniel's prayer was part of his humility and part of his posture and part of everything about who he was, was his, his walk with the Lord and realizing God's presence in his life. Yeah. And so I just love that the thought of choosing prayer over panic and fear and revenge and debate, and it seems like kind of a, a Sunday school answer, but how many of us are like really doing that and really yeah. living that out? And the, and the fourth thing is obey. And I talk specifically about focusing on obedience instead of the outcomes. And I think it, especially in, in high stress situations to hang on to that idea. And I tell the story for, uh, for readers, my, my wife and I adopted and when we were in the middle, it was an international adoption. God had really kind of led us on this interesting journey. But uh, we found out we were pregnant in the middle of the adoption. We already had two boys, um, but the the adoption guidelines said, you know, if you become pregnant during this process of adoption, which if you if you know takes forever, it's sure. a you know, they call it the paper pregnancy for a reason. And so <laughs> never heard that. Uh, yeah, it, and it is. It's a it's it's definitely labor. Um and so it says if you if you get pregnant during this time, then the adoption's off. Hmm. Because we don't want to send a child into a home that's has the chaos of a of a birth going on. And I understand that, but at that time we knew our daughter's story. We saw her pictures. I was I I would dream about her every night oh, wow. and it was, you know, so she was ours in my mind. She was ours. She was in my heart. She was our daughter. Um, she had suffered the, the death of two parents. And so our, you know, we were, I, I was as devastated as I've ever been in my life. And I remember uh, getting online the next day and just, you know, looking up, what do you do if you're in this situation? And I got response back from about 50 people oh, wow. and they all said, um, what you do is you hide the pregnancy and mom stays home and the dad travels, uh, for the trip. And that happens sometimes they can't really ask any questions. You bring the daughter home and by the time you've given birth, it's too late and they won't do anything about it. Hmm. And so I was then trying to, you know, look in scripture and find all of the places where God tells us to lie. 
um, in order to get our way. And that's oh. a tough Bible study. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's the one about the uh, shrewd manager or something, but uh, that's, yeah, yeah. Twist there, that one pretty hard. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can twist that and maybe twist Mo uh, or Abraham just around a little bit. But, uh, um, I had a, I, I met with my best friend and, uh, and he said, Brian, why, why are you acting like you need to be, be in control of the situation now? Do you think you've been in control all along? Wow. And Ooh, those were ouch. the words that I needed to humble me. <laughs> and uh, the uh, did he do that on Facebook or did he do it face to face or face to face? All right, that's better. yeah, that's better. Yeah, that's, would, it's another principle yeah. we're learning here, right? Certain things, are yeah, face to face and gently. And he had come to meet me because I was in a mess, and um, and so I was able to really hear that, and that really changed my whole thinking, and it helped me be at peace and. Um, God ended up providing and we were able to adopt uh, our daughter, but we actually did the right things. We, we called them and we said, Hey, we want you to just, we want to be honest. We're pregnant and we know what, you know, the, the, your papers say your policies are, but we also want you to know that we think she's our daughter and, you know, I'll crawl to your office in Virginia if that's what it takes, <laughs> yeah. but just let us know. Oh, and so oh. it, it ends up that the, the rule wasn't quite as hard and fast as they had communicated. So anyway, we, we got to see God's provision, but, you know, God, you know, he didn't have to provide in the way that he did. Yeah. But all he did was say, you just, you know, you be obedient and quit worrying about all the outcomes. You be obedient. I'll I'll handle my business. God is great, so we don't have to be in control, right? Yeah, God is great, so we don't have to be in control. You know, one thing, um, Brian, another part of the book that was really fascinating to me, I had never seen it before, is uh, you're talking in Galatians five, like nineteen through twenty-one. There are eight consecutive sins that fall under the category of not getting along. And, and Galatians mm-hmm. 5 says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, and that goes on this list. And then the eight in a row are hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Uh, and so it seems like unity is really important to God. And we know this, but we tend to let it get away from us constantly. Why do you think, why do you think that is? Can you speak into that and in which ways maybe we can check our hearts uh, when we're confronted with this in the future? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing to just start reading the Bible through that lens of unity. Hmm. And man, you just start reading through, you, you hit the middle of John, and for the rest of John, you just see it. You get into the book of Acts and Paul's letters, and it just comes up over and over and over. And I think that God knew what a difficult struggle it would be for us to love one another. But he also understands the stakes are so high. And every time the church, you know, does not fellowship and love one another and show unity, then, you know, we blow our witness to the world. Uh, There's no way that we can be effective in, you know, evangelism and discipleship and in meeting the needs of the poor when there's all of these, you know, uh, issues and fights uh, within ourselves. And so God knew how high the stakes were, how much he cared about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it seems like we somehow put that on the back burner and we think about other things and focus on other things. It was helpful for me to, uh, I, I quote a Greek scholar named Kenny Bowles uh, just on the, on the word heresy. Hmm. You know, we always think of it as you've chosen the wrong doctrine, but he really unpacks biblically how heresy in Bible terms 
actually was translated and should be translated that you've just chosen sides hmm. because the heresy was the side of the doctrine you chose. And, and so he's saying, you know, Paul here is saying, quit choosing sides, quit, you know, quit saying I belong to this school of thought or this school of thought or this school of thought. And that kind of flipped my understanding mm. even of that word Wow, yeah. Uh, that I've thought about quite a bit. And so God just, when we begin looking at scripture that way, he just hammers this over and over again, like, do not neglect this. It matters so much. It's if, if God is love and if the greatest commandment is to love God and love one another, then man, we can't, we can't miss that win. Yeah. Uh, we've got to, got to pay more attention to it. Brian, it doesn't seem like escapism is going to be our answer here. Okay, you know, like just like avoidance or whatever, or just like, well, this is what I believe, so I'll just hide over here and not, you know. Um, so how, how you know, just as we kind of start to move towards the end here, how do we, you know, what's what's your sort of big takeaway for folks listening? How do we enter into no man's land, um, you know, dancing rather than dodging, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. instead of just dodging cultural landmines, how do we actually dance there and become good news, right? right? Like that's what I want to be. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think, um, uh, I won't tell the whole story, but my favorite chapter in the book is uh, towards the end where I get to interview John Perkins and just his remarkable story. I just met him. And um, Okay, awesome. He's amazing, isn't he? Yeah, what a, uh, what a man. He, yeah, he is, he is one, of, one of my heroes and he has been very, very gracious to me. But uh, you, you need to read his whole story and people need to pick up his books and read them. But he, uh, he, he tells the story of just after he has been the victim, he's been beaten within an inch of his life and he's laying in a, in a jail at, with no legal charges against him, you know, and his friends thought he had bled out. Hmm. And he was telling me how this whole story happened with some racist cops uh, who had done this to him. And he said, uh, Brian, if I would have had a grenade, I'd have pulled the, the pin out and dropped it and blown us all up. And it was there laying on that floor that God uh, interacted with my heart. And he convicted me that those officers were victims just like I was because they were victims of my hate, just like I was a victim of their hate. Wow. And God brought my attention mm -hmm. to Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And so in, in that moment, um, Perkins said, you know, I realized that God had called me to lay my life down daily. Wow. And if you've seen his life, that's what he's done um, for 80 some years now. And that's, that's the road to what I think no man's land is because it's not easy. And there are often times where I'll, I'll have a 24 hour period where I feel like I took some bullets from two different opposing bunkers about some issue, you know, maybe in regards to race or immigration or whatever it might be, and it'll be a new subject tomorrow. Hmm. Just if we're, if we're trying to do this, it's difficult. And so I think we have to prepare our hearts to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to hang on to truth and I'm going to hang on to peace regardless of what people do with that and how they feel about that. And I recognize there's going to be some people who, who don't like that at all. But I think if we hang in there um, and we encourage others, I think the more we talk about it, I find people who, when they kind of talk through this concept, they're so thirsty for it because they're so tired of 
just constantly being a bunker shooting somebody else. And I think the more we do that, I think we're encouraged. And in the book, you know, I say it feels like we're dodging bullets a lot, but my prayer is that we can get to where it feels a little more like dancing. And there's some joy in being with one another and being uh, on the path where Jesus wants us to walk and seeing where we can actually bring about reconciliation. And one of, one of my commitments is to not give up on the people in the bunkers. Hmm. And I, people say like, just give up on that dude, man. He's never going to change. In the other bunkers, you mean like not giving up on people in the other bumper. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Yeah. And it's really tempting to do, but I think, uh, you know, God did not give up on Peter and he must've gone through like so many different plans of like, okay, I'm going to show him a vision. I'm going to send Cornelius. We're going to do the council. I'm going to show him the life of Jesus. And then I'm going to have to have Paul still come back and rebuke him later. And if God didn't give up on Peter, you know, I'm thankful he didn't give up on me and I don't want to give up on the people uh, that maybe don't understand or don't have the heart for it or the mind for it yet. Uh, But to keep just saying, man, God wants you to live this life of truth and peace. Come join us. It's good. So we got to stay after it. Wow. And that just as you're saying that I like the spirits like bringing to mind all the times I was completely sure I was right. And I was completely a knucklehead and and other saints (laughs) just were gracious and they just, they were for me and they were with me. And then you look back and you're like, Oh man, I was such a, I was such a jerk and such an idiot. Then you are really loving and patient just like God, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Good word, Brian, man. I'm so glad. Um, that you've written this and maybe I'm going to pry a copy out of Heath's hands or buy my, my own. My, my cold sentence. dead fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, thanks, man. I just want to say thanks. I, and you've been so gracious too. One of the things we'll do is include uh, your website in the show notes, which is dancing in no man's land.com. And you've even offered here uh, that people can contact you if they're interested in leading their church or the group through a four week series to help them pursue truth and peace. He says, I'll gladly share the sermons and group lessons and materials all that for free. And so thanks for being generous with, with what you've Heck come yeah. to learn and know and love. And, uh, and my prayer for the church is that we would follow suit, you know, that we might be a people who are peacemakers and not peacebreakers. And we'll put links to that and to the book and all that stuff in the show notes for everybody too. So we'll make it easy for you. And I'll probably drop that stuff at the bottom of the big three for this week as well. So if you do get the free download of the big, this week's big three, that'll we'll just make it super easy for you to connect with Brian and uh, jump on this book. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. And for real, like I, I love the podcast. Thank you for what you guys are doing. This is valuable stuff. So I hope you're encouraged and, and keep after it because the, the listeners were loving it. Thanks. Let's, hey, let's lock into a contract. Do you promise to be back on the show with us again? I, yes. I, verbal, yes, verbal, locked con- in. verbal commitment. Boom. <laughs> Boom. There we go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks. Talk to you soon. All right, so let's get to the big three that he left us with. And the big three are a free download that we want to give to you. Just some, if you had to boil this down to the basics of this message, what we want you to walk away with. And you can get it for free, beautifully written out, by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three. Caesar, what are the big three for this week? Okay, man, so much stuff in there. It's like, uh, read the book, you know. But I was, I was trying to listen, talk, engage, furiously write down my thoughts. But here they are. Here's the big three for today. First one, God is not wanting you to believe or settle for a watered-down version of the truth connected to any issue. But he does offer a way to break down walls with a truth that will heal families and friendships and churches and communities. Remember, the gospel's always good news. And our words, and even the way we present them, should be too. They should be good news regardless if it's face-to-face or online or when speaking about others and rehashing our conversations. Hmm. If what we're saying is not received as good news, mm, 
might want to reconsider it, right? It's good. Um, second one, sometimes God does call us to be in the middle of sticky, thorny issues and situations, to be light in a dark place. That's that no man's land. Sometimes you're going to get out there and you may end up with some scars. Yep. But the good news is God doesn't call us to walk into this alone. Because in Christ, we now have the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, the Spirit will come and dwell in you and lead you in all the ways of truth. Not yeah. all the ways of opinion or winning an argument, but in 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 truth, in wisdom. Hmm. And that Spirit now dwells inside us and guides our minds and our words and our motives, if we'll let Him. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Third, um, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this is like my head is swimming around so much. He said, um, Brian said, engage before you contend. In other words, engage the issue, engage people, get involved in the issues you care about or think you do, and engage those involved and affected by the issue before you try and win every argument connected to the topic. Practice gracious restraint, hmm. right? Oh, good word. So good. Ask good questions. Give people space and time to think before you fire another bullet from your argument gun, right? Some people yep. need more time. Um, that's especially face-to-face, right? We're all wired a little different. And remember... Actually stop and pray, asking God what his stance and heart on the issue is and what, if anything, he wants you to say connected to it. It's beautiful. It might be nothing. Yeah. That is a great big three. Again, so many things we could take away from this episode, but that engage before you contend was like that was a zinger for me as well. So we want you to get those for free. You get it as a download by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash big three right now. Hey, we'd like to thank you for joining us this week on the Life School podcast next week. We're actually going to talk about how the words we use and the way we talk can actually affect our lives. It's kind of connected to this. Yeah. It'll be like really starting to ground. I think this is more the heart behind it. Yeah. And next week we're going to get into like words matter. Yeah. Change your language, change your life, right? Yep. Join us for that. Thanks again for being with us today. For more information, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast. (laughs) 